This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Well, hey everybody, we're back and uh, it's our Wednesday Bible study. We are currently going through that Old New Testament, I'm sorry, Old Testament little letter of uh, Ruth's for chapters and we're having a good time going through it, looking at this uh, romance developed between Ruth and the man Boaz, who we know now as the kinsman redeemer. He's the near uh, relative. And so this Bible study comes to you every Wednesday at 4 o'clock uh, on our church Facebook page. And then I know many of you are still at work or whatever, and some of you watch live, but then it goes right to my page, it goes to Haruba page. It, tomorrow I'll go on our YouTube, NBCC YouTube uh, uh, channel, um, and uh, you can also uh, uh, download it uh, via your app, and uh, it's under um, uh, The Bible in Depth with PJ. I almost forgot the name of it. Uh, so you can do those things too. Um, so uh, we're in, uh, gonna pick up at verse 20. That's where we left off last week. Today we're going to talk about the right time. <clears throat> and uh, have you ever um, thought, you know, God's got to, this has got to be the time, this has got to be the time, this has got to be the time. And then it didn't happen at that time. And then uh, it took a lot more time for something to happen. And within that time, it didn't happen the way that you saw it happening. It happened a whole different set of circumstances. Some things looked the same, the way you saw it in your head, but not a lot of it. But then when it finally happened, you could look back because we always understand in reverse that, man, this was the right time. That even though it took longer, this is the right time. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the right time. Let me tell you something about time. Time is your friend. No, no, it's not, Jim. It's going too fast. No, time is your friend. We think time is the enemy. No, it really is your friend. And uh, as long as we play it out right, it always benefits us because time is our friend. Now, verse 20, let's pick up the story of where we left off. Verse 20 says, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said to her, to her the man, again Naomi said to her, the man is our relative because Ruth has told her, the owner of the field that I'm gleaning in is Boaz. So Naomi says, the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives, which is huge in the story because relative is the Goel, the kinsman redeemer. Ruth is a widow. This man can redeem her, can marry her, so she won't end up a widow, possibly in poverty for the rest of her life. This is a way things were set up back then. But let me... We talked about that last week at the end, but let me take it in a new venture in verse 20. And let me take it this way. <clears throat> Naomi and Ruth left Moab because their husbands died. Naomi, the mother-in-law, Ruth, the daughter-in-law, married to Naomi's son. Naomi had her husband and two sons die. One of the daughter-in-laws goes back to Moab, stays there, I should say. Ruth comes back with her. They come back with nothing. They're poor. They're dirt poor. Things are bad. Things have gone bad. And they end up in the field of Boaz, Ruth does, gleaning away in the corners. And things begin to happen where 
Boaz realizes who she is and her relative, and he begins to see her work ethic, and he's blessing her and giving her more. Let me tell you something about God. Because if you miss this one, you'll be a victim the rest of your life. Keep an eye out for God to turn things around. Ruth didn't sit home and wallow in it. Oh, my husband died, and my father-in-law's dead, and you know, we have nothing. No, she went out and she worked. And in doing so, in working, God turned things around. It turned it around for the mother-in-law, Naomi, who came back and remember when they said, it's Naomi, we haven't seen you in 10 years. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter, call me bitter. My own name, Naomi, used to mean pleasant, but now I'm bitter. I'm a bitter pill. Life has been bitter to me. Got enough people walking around like that. Keep an eye out for God to turn things around as you work hard and do right and do the right things. Let me teach you about two directions you can choose in your life, one or the other. And when this was pointed out to me decades ago, I thought, whoa, someone pointed it out to you. And I've shared it before. Maybe you'll remember it. Watch. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Well, Jim, I know that verse. That's okay. Let's read it. Romans 8, 28 says this. <clears throat> and we know. I like when he says it because he says, I know, I ganasco. I have intimate knowledge, experience in this area. Ganasco, to know. I, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God. In other words, they follow God's way, they follow God's will, they follow God's word. To those who are called according to His purpose. It's a loaded verse. But notice what it's teaching us. God can turn around anything. He can take any bad thing, any mediocre thing, any way that life has gone wrong, and He can turn it around. Time is your friend. Do the right thing, even when wrong things have happened to you. Don't be a victim. Now, my problem, your problem, when things are going bad, we think, and this is the lie, it will always be this way. It will never change. Let me tell you something about that. Yes, it will. Do the right thing and watch God turn things around. It will turn around. It will not always be this way. In fact, here's what I tell people now. This thing you're going through right now, or the thing that I'm going through right now, one day, it's just going to be a two or three minute story we tell. We're going to condense it down to two, three minutes and share, I went through that, and that's all it's going to be. No, no, yes it will. That's all it's going to be. Now, I can choose that option. I can choose to believe God. God's going to turn it around. If I do the right stuff, and I love God, meaning I follow His way, and I walk in His purpose and His calling, or I can choose the other direction. Watch this. Turn to Genesis chapter 42. 
I can say this. <clears throat> this is Jacob speaking. And he says, Their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. In other words, he's lost. He believes Joseph is dead, though he's not. And Simeon is no more because they've got him back in Egypt. And you want to take Benjamin? Benjamin's the baby of the family of the twelve. He goes, you want to take him? I've already lost a couple sons. You want to take a third one? And then he says, all these things are against me. Whoa. Which one do you pick? My God can take all these things and rework them for good according to His will as I follow Him correctly? Or do you want to live in, all oh, these things are against me? Do you want to be victorious or you want to be a victim? Victorious or be a victim? Which one do you want to be? Because it is up to you and it's up to me. Now, let me talk about this. This whole idea, it'll always be this way. Let's talk about dealing with emotional doubt. Oh, it'll always be this way. God's never going to do anything in my life. <laughs> it'll always be this way. Emotional doubt. Listen to me, somebody out there, and somebody out there that's hearing me, you know somebody needs to hear what I'm talking about right now, watch this. Emotional doubt. Let me show you how it works. You have the actual event. <clears throat> A. What happens to you? Bad things happen to good people. Bad things have happened to all of us. You're not the only one. Every one of us could play the victim. Every one of us has been sinned against. There's nobody that hasn't been sinned against. There's an actual event. Now, after the actual event, now you have your belief. You're going to believe good or you're going to believe bad. Which way is your mind going to go? God, good. God can do, work all things for good. Bad, all these things are against me. Which way are you going to go? Because whether you go in your belief system, good or bad, that's how the consequences roll out. The consequences will be a result of my belief. I can be a victim or I can be victorious. I say... Let's have a biblical idea and go with a God who's the overarching power of the universe and you're his kid and do the right thing and watch God turn it around because time is your friend and in the right time, all of a sudden it's like, well, that's just a two-minute story I tell. That's all it is. God turned everything around. And don't forget in the story, Boaz is the one turning it around. He's the kinsman redeemer. He's the one who's the picture of Jesus Christ, the redeemer of our lives. That's not a worldview you're getting out there on TV. But that's a God worldview. I hope I help somebody right now. Now, verse 21. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, I'm sorry, back up. That was verse 20, 21. I got a little excited. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, well, furthermore, she says, let me tell you what else Boaz said. Furthermore, he, Boaz, said to me, you should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. <laughs> Ruth, this young woman, this young gal, this young widow, is trying to pull a fast one over on her mother-in-law, Naomi. You know, like your kids do. They try to pull a fast one over on you. They'll tell you a little fib here and there. Oh, not my kids. Whatever, okay. 
But Naomi's not falling for it because this is not the way we do things in Israel. Maybe we do it back in Moab that way. That's the way a wise man once told me. Maybe that's the way we do it in Moab, but we don't do it here in Israel that way. Now, <clears throat> Ruth says, Boaz told me to stay close to the servants. It's not true. <clears throat> back in chapter 2, verse 8, he said, stay close to the maids. He didn't say stay close to the servants. He says, stay close to my maids. Naomi hears that and she says, nope. You're hanging out with the girls, the maids. You're not hanging out with the guys. Okay, parents, let me talk to you. Do your kids like limits? <laughs> no. And the older they get, the more they hate the limits, right? <clears throat> and we put limits on them. Sometimes they may even say, I hate you for this. You can't worry about that. In fact, when your kids say, oh, I hate you for this, they say, ooh, I'm so scared. Look, they need you for everything. And the goal of parenting is not to be liked. The goal of parenting is to be a parent. You have to make the hard calls. I remember when Vanessa was a teenager and I had limits on her, man. She hated them. But it was my job to protect her. It didn't matter to me if she hated the limits and got mad at me. It was my job. And now she has a daughter. <laughs> it's going to be her job to be me one day and put the limits on. I can't wait to see that. It's going to be so beautiful to watch it happen. Hmm. Wow. <clears throat> now, let me, let me talk about uh, this whole idea that we're talking about here. Let me take it into dating. Uh, uh, if you're dating, and I know if you're older, uh, divorced or whatever, it, it's different, kind of different situation. But let's, let's take it into dating. <clears throat> um, if you're dating a young person, you're dating a person and they do not listen to the people in authority over them, like the parent or, or someone like that, you really think they're going to listen to anything you have to say if you marry them? And don't sit there and, oh, it's going to be so different when we get married. No, it's not. They're learning to be angry and bitter towards authority figures. They're going to be angry and bitter towards you. <laughs> I'll give you a deeper one. <laughs> hey, girl, dating that guy, you better watch and see how that guy talks to his mama because that's the way he's going, to, he's going to talk to you one day. Hey, guy, you better watch and see how that girl talks to her dad, because that's the way she's going to talk to you one day. You better open your eyes, because that's what you're heading for. And don't get blinded by all the emotion and infatuation, because you're going to have to live with this person for about the next 50 to 60 years of your life, if not 70. So, be wise. Be wise. I'll say it again. Be wise. Now, verse 22. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, because remember, Ruth had said, he told me to go hang out with the servants, with the guys. <laughs> yeah, sure. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, <clears throat> it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids so that others do not fall upon you in another field. Oh, now we get into the nitty-gritty of why we put limits. <sighs> Naomi says, no, you're not going to hang out with the guys. It's not going to happen that way. It's dangerous. 
you're a single woman out there gleaning in the field with a bunch of guys. Oh, oh no, 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 no. You know, parents, we all know this because we were all young and now we're a parent. And that is this. When we were young, we thought we were Superman and Superwoman. Did we not? Nothing going to happen. But as a parent, like Naomi looks at it from parental eyes, you see the potential danger out there. And you see it clear as day. Oh, you're not going to hang out with the servants. Oh, no. One of those guys, he's going to attack you out in the field. You're going to hang out with the maids. we got some limits on your life. I'm going to put some protective, protective parameters upon you. Widen up the scope. It's harvest time. That's celebration time. That's party time. She wants to hang out with the party guys. And Naomi says, Oh, no, you're not hanging out with the party guys. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. I dated myself. Danger, Will Robinson. Oh, no, we're not, we're not doing that. You're going to hang out with the maids. We're going to do this thing right. Because I've got to protect you. And there's no way in this world do I ever believe that Boaz would say, oh, go hang out with the guys, the party guys. No. No. Now, verse 23. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. These are very important statements. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let me tell you what that means. She tells Naomi, he told me to hang out with, uh, with the servants. Naomi said, nope, you're going to hang out with the maids. It says in verse 20, so Ruth obeyed and she hung out with the maids. What does that tell you about her? She's teachable. Oh my gosh, she's teachable. She stayed close to the maids. She did the right thing. She listened. What a concept. She listened. Let me tell you about teachable people. You know, teachable people, there's characteristics about teachable people. Teachable people take responsibility and they don't blame. They don't go, man, she's so much, she's no fun, she don't let me do. They don't do that. They take responsibility, they take wisdom. <clears throat> teachable people take correction without resentment. If you resent when you're corrected, or if I resent when I'm corrected, we can develop bitterness. Hebrews says that that bitterness becomes a root and it rises up and it defiles many. Then I spread my bitterness to others. Wow, that's fun. Teachable people can learn from anyone. Well, Naomi's not her mother. It's her mother-in-law. But she listened to her. You can learn from anyone. Teachable people move forward. Unteachable people, they just run the same plays. I want you to think about that. Had she gone and hung out with the party boys, that would have been the cycle of her life beginning. Boaz would have seen that. He would have said, no thanks. But because she listens to someone wiser than her, that sees the potential problems, even though Ruth thinks she's Superman, Superwoman, 
She's teachable. She listens. She listens to correction. She hangs over the maids. And that continues this pathway of potential romance where her life is going to be redeemed. I hope you're just not running plays over and over again. What do you mean, Jim? I mean, you're learning nothing. You keep doing the same thing repeatedly. At what point do you take the off-ramp and quit doing that? It's getting you nowhere. At what point do you listen to people who are above you and wiser than you? At what point do you obey what this says? At what point? It gets old, doesn't it? Running the same plays. That's when time isn't your friend. Because time is just floating by. And you're just spinning away running the same place. But when you listen to correction and wisdom, time is your friend. Because you're growing. And you're becoming the person, the person you're looking for is looking for. Now, let me give you a new thought on what's going on here. Naomi's older. Ruth is younger. What a great uh, example of older and younger working together. Think about it. Ruth goes in the field. She's the energy, man. She's the high voltage energy. She's got the zeal. Get out there. Naomi, the older one, she's the wisdom. She's the experience. That's a great combination, isn't it? But isn't that true uh, of just life, period? If you're older like me, remember when you were younger, how much vision you had? How much zeal and energy you had? Now, I watch my grandkid for a half hour. I'm exhausted. How did I do that all day long? For a week, day in, day out. Of course, a lot of had help with Olivia. But that's not the point. <laughs> but when I was younger, I had so much zeal and vision. As you get older, you don't have all that energy anymore. You don't have all that vision like you used to have anymore. But young people... They're filled with vision and zeal. And when you can put the two together, the experience and the wisdom of the older and the zeal and the vision of the younger and put them together, you got explosive dynamite. You need each other. Young person, you need that old coach on the bench. You may think, oh, they're outdated. You need the wisdom of the old coach on the bench. Older person, you better start raising up some young people in positions because they're the zeal and the energy. Let me give you a great example of this. Uh, right now, it's happening. Right now, it's been happening. Um, I, I cannot believe um, that um, we are now um, just a, a few days over six months of quarantine. We've been in quarantine a half year. They told us it'd be over by Easter, Remember? March 12th, we shut down. Now, for us, we had to reorganize fast because everything went digital. Still is. Most of it. Still waiting to be released. Let me tell you one of the greatest things that happened. And you see it. If you watch our programming on Sunday, even this one, you see it. We have a... We... we it was the grace of God that moved us in a direction to hire young staff. We have plenty of young staff. Those guys went into action. They're the ones with the zeal and the energy, and they understood all the technology 
to put together some pretty cool stuff for you, don't they? I'm the teacher. I'm the old wise guy. I come in and I teach the Word of God. You take the wisdom of the old, me. You know, Pastor Eric's right there with me, though he's younger than me. We're the older ones on the bench here. Take the young staff and you blend it together. And look what happens. We were blessed to have young staff because you see the production qualities of what they put forward. You need the old and you need the young and you need them together. And in doing that, the young are gleaning from the older and the older are catching the new vision of the younger because the younger are more in touch with the way society moves and able to reach them. You need them both. You just need them both. And that's what's happening here. You have them both working together. I like that. I like it a lot. Now, let me give you one last thought, and then we'll close it up for today. <clears throat> Notice in verse 23, we read that, um, stay close to glean until the end of the barley harvest. The barley harvest is the Passover first fruits time, meaning, uh, meaning resurrection time. Obviously, 20... Um, 500 and some years uh, in the future will be, um, or more than that, I'm sorry, more than that, will be the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ at this time of the season. And the wheat harvest. The wheat harvest is Pentecost. That's the day the church was born. So what you have is resurrection and Pentecost times. That's what it's naming right there. When they meet, it's resurrection time. They're going to marry each other, and they're going to marry each other at Pentecost, birth of the church time. We'll talk about more of that later. But I want to just talk to about, about the time frame. It's 50 days. Time has elapsed. Time will be passing by. Time is your friend. Time is your friend. They're going to get to know each other. Over 50 days, they're going to get to know each other. Every day she's out on that field gleaning away. Every day he's getting to know her. Every day. There's no premarital sex going on here. There's no limits being crossed. It's always in a social setting. They're both interacting within the context of serving and blessing. And they're getting to know each other. Time is your friend. Time is your friend. Let me tell you my Fender story, and then I'm going to finish off with some verses. Right, this is my, my Fender story, my dating Fender story. Time is your friend. <clears throat> Let's say that you want to buy a certain car, a used car. Let's say a couple years old. And you find one online. And you, you know, email them. You want to come and see it back and forth. Yeah, you, I'm going to see it. You get there. Knock on the door. I'd like to see the car. Okay, I'll, I'll get it. And they go, in the, they go around the side gate. And they come back, and all they have is a fender. And it's beautiful, beautiful paint job on the fender. No bondo, perfect lines. Wow, that's nice. Would you buy the car? No. Why? 
because you'd like to see the other fenders, you'd like to see the rest of the body, you'd like to see if the frame's not bent from any, any accidents, you'd like to see if it has any tires or rims, does it even have an engine, what's the engine, how, how does it look, does the headliner rip, what do the seats look like, what is it, what, what's, it, what's going on, you want to know the car. But a lot of dating is just like that, they just show you the fender and you jump in quick and you get engaged quick and you get married quick and you don't know what the rest of it looks like and then you get in there and all of a sudden you find out the wheel, the tires are flat, the headliner's ripped, the engine's backfiring and what am I doing in this situation? You said, that doesn't happen, give me a break, come on. You need to get out more and talk to people. It happens more often than you think. They just want to show you the fender. Time is your friend. As you date, take time. Get to know them. And make sure you watch them a plethora of times in social settings with your friends and see if they even have friends and in their social setting with their family and your family repeatedly to see how they interact with them. That'll tell you if they're relational or not or if they're just a controller. Now, time is your friend. Let me show you. Let me show you. Uh, I'm going to finish off with three verses. <clears throat> Let's go to Proverbs 19. We're going to jump fast. So, Proverbs 19 says this. Verse 2. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who hurries his footsteps errs. You move too fast, you're going to make a mistake because you're not weighing things out. You're not taking good looks at things. He <clears throat> who hurries with his footsteps errs. There's one. Okay. Now turn to Habakkuk near the end of the Old Testament. <clears throat> Chapter 2. Now watch this. Uh, these are cool verses. These I like these. Verse 2 and 3 says this of chapter 2 of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you pronounce it. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. Hmm. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. Now watch this. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, in other words, it's taken a long time. Wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Hmm, that's interesting. <clears throat> what it's telling us in these verses is this. From my standpoint, the vision it's moving slow as molasses. Can we just hurry this thing up? Can we get move it faster, whatever it may be, if it's dating, engagement, marriage? Let's just move fast. But from God's perspective, it's flying, it's moving fast. But from our perspective, it's slow as molasses. It all depends on your perspective. Time is your friend. You think it's moving slow because you want it faster. God says it's moving really fast toward your goal's coming. It's coming. So relax. Relax. Last verse. 2 Peter 3.8. And this is where we'll end. <clears throat> 2 Peter 3.8 says this. And this is a verse so misquoted by people. <laughs> it just is. 
Um, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. All this is talking about is the way God sees time versus how you and I see time. <clears throat> what seems like forever to us, oh, it's taken forever. It's just a short time for God. Time's your friend. God says it's moving toward the goal quick enough in the right time. So don't sit there and go, it's taking forever. I'm just going to speed up the process. You do that, you're going to end up with an Ishmael like old Abe and Sarah did. And that caused a lot of problems. Time's your friend. Slow it down. Slow down. Time's your friend. It'll all happen in the right time. And my God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Hey, we'll end right there. God bless you. Oh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.